It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with Bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Ferg Friday, everyone. You know, this is a lot of people's, myself included, favorite day of the week. Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer oh, hanging out with not, us. I hope that's not because of me. I hope it's, it's like 100% because general, of like, hey, it's the weekend. That's awesome. <laughs> that, 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 that's, what I, that's what I hope you I hope No, I think it's because of you, man. All I right, think it's well, because of you. Own it. I'll take it. Own it. No, I'll take it. appreciate your time as always, mm-hmm. dude. Really, uh, I say this every week, really enjoy the content you put out this week uh, You know, at the Auburn Observer. Really, uh, the coolest thing, and I think a lot of Auburn fans have kind of got the feeling of this. We've talked about it, and you just dove into it more, but the development of Bo Nix is something that I think yeah. we're going to see more of. My biggest reservation to that is... Can he do it in one off season? Right, and you kind of touch on that too yeah. in your story. Yeah, I know it's a, it's an interesting thing because like I think a lot of people, uh, quarterback development was always a thing that that was a, a part of the Malzahn era that like people criticized. Not and, a like, narrative that I liked, by the way. <laughs> it was a, it was a narrative that you got you that got and the over, wide receiver stuff. I just like leave that alone please. over and over and over again. Well, now here's the thing with your quarterback coach and your offensive coordinator and your head coach. And Brian Harson and Mike Boa, these are two guys that played the position and have spent the majority of their careers coaching quarterbacks in some fashion. Like, uh, I, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I put it in the story of the Observer on Wednesday. Um, combined with Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris, they each had five years of peace as a quarterback's coach back, you know, back in the day. Um, and, of course, Morris you know, picked it back up again after leaving head coaching. Um, Harson and Bobo combined have like I think Harson himself I mean Bobo himself has had like 17 years of it mm-hmm. as, as being a quarterbacks coach Harson had uh, quite a bit more as well so you're getting two guys that have well-established track records with developing quarterbacks you have doubled the dudes on your staff from two from one to two in terms of hey we know the position we know what to do with this and, and they and they've had they each of those guys have had really good track records not only with dudes they've inherited as quarterbacks uh, but also uh, third-year guys, fourth-year guys. The fact that Bo Nix is going to have some experience, and they're not coming in with a dude who's brand new to football. If you know Nix continues to be the starter at Auburn, that's that's something they can build on because both of those guys have had success stories like that in the past with guys that they've either inherited or guys they've you know had, had to put into the into the mix as upperclassmen. When you look at a quarterback coach, it's going to be different than when they go home and work with their quarterback trainer or whatever right? right and so what does that look like I mean are they working on footwork or is it mm-hmm. more of progressions and, and things like that and what you do against certain coverages I think it's going to be an all of above thing uh Jordan Hill at the OA News did a really good story that I cited in my in my piece where he went and talked to um several guys who had played under Mike Bobo in the past I think it was uh Aaron Murray DJ Shockley and Hudson Mason um, all three guys who had really good seasons. DJ Shockley. Yeah. Shockley, man. People forget about Shockley. Won the SEC East with him. Like, sure. Uh, he's no, a, I just he's, I just forgot about that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the, thing with, the thing with them is all three of those guys said technique, fundamentals, footwork, all that. He said, Jordan in his story said all three of those guys said, Bobo's a guy who's going to concentrate on that 
from the very beginning. I think Harson's going to probably harp on that as well, knowing his background. So I think it's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff. Now the progressions and, and all that stuff, that'll be onto it. But I, I really do think there's going to be a lot of footwork work. There's going to be a lot of technique work. And with Bo Nix, that is something that you would like to, if you're an Auburn fan, probably see improvement in because there was a lot of times in 2020, he's still throwing the ball off his back foot. He was doing mm-hmm. some weird off-platform stuff, maybe not necessarily feeling – I mean, some really weird stuff. And, and not feeling super, super confident in the pocket. Now, yeah. Bo Nix, when he was in high school, if you watched him play at Pinson Valley, he did a lot of stuff on the run. He did a lot of stuff, you know, throwing the ball kind of, kind of off-platform. And he was good at it, mm-hmm. and that's his game. There's some of that kind of run-and-gun – spread it out, throw it around kind of stuff that you think he can do more of in the at the college level more consistently. However, there's a big difference between that doing that in 6A football and the SEC. Right. And I think the last two seasons we've seen the good and the bad that comes from that, and I wonder how much will be changed in that from you know his, uh, from having a guy like Mike Bowen and a guy like Brian Harson coaching him. So when you when you go when you look at that situation and you start breaking down his footwork and leaving the pocket early and just overall mechanics. You were limited so much with like how much time you can interact with the actual kids and all that. So yep. my question yep. is like, if you do that from a time standpoint, because that's valuable, what do you give up? Well, I think I think this year is like you're going to have to do a lot of that stuff in spring, and you hope that you have a normal spring practice or yeah. as close to a normal spring practice as you can, because by the time you hit the fall, it's going to be like, hey, you got to have a playbook installed, you got to have all, all that stuff going on. So I think. This is where spring is going to be very big. Spring is where you get a lot of that fundamental, a lot of that technique, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff down. You start doing some of the hey, this is what we, this is the kind of playbook we're going to run. This yeah. is you know, stuff like that, but it's a lot of like individual skill development is what you get in the spring, and so I think that's got to be the thing. Last year he had to learn a completely new offense again. With Chad Morrison in the picture, he had to do it all through Zoom. He didn't have spring ball. And by the time they got to hit the practice field again in the fall, it's just like, all right, well. You, you don't really get, have enough time to fix these things. Right. You've got to kind of fo- focus on that. So um, I, I think having a spring, we don't know what that's going to look like yet, but having a spring and having a normal kind of no, I more normal it kind semi-normal. of semi-normal. One would think because you just went through a football season. I right. think I, I, I like to go back to what Anthony Schwartz said on Twitter earlier this week when they said the combine was canceled. He said we literally just played a whole season. That's weird. It's, it's a weird move to me. And they're still the having NFL. the Senior Bowl because like now NFL draft guys are saying like now the Senior Bowl is going to become the biggest thing in the world this year. And like okay, well only all a, the bowl games mean so much. Yeah, all the these like the they're se- the, the all star games. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and but like that's only a fraction really of your whole scope. Like. But yeah, you got the Senior Bowl, then you got the East-West. Justin Shrine Fields isn't game playing in and, the Senior Bowl, uh, uh, right? You know the, those big quarterbacks. Most of those guys are underclassmen. Some of your best, best guys are going to be underclassmen, and and so a guy like Anthony Schwartz is stuck. A guy like Seth Williams is stuck at that point, yeah. and it's so weird because again, you just put these dudes through the worst season ever in terms of having to get through it and and, and make all these adjustments and changes, and now you're like, all right, well, no no combine, especially with the combine where it's like. Okay, no fans. That is so easy. I mean, that is yeah. like the most controllable environment that I can think of of anything pertaining to football. That's the thing that, that that's interesting to me because it's like I guess they're going to big argument is like you know I went to the combine last year and for the first time and like it is a I didn't know that it is a gigantic thing. Yeah, it is huge. Um, and maybe it's like okay, we don't want to bring all these people in together. It was like in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. 
there's it, it, it's almost as big. Now you don't have quite as about the same same amount of people in terms of the NFL personnel, but like media wise, they I mean the the Senior Bowl just opens it up. If you have ever thought about writing about the NFL draft, you can get a credential. Oh, to you the, will get credential. You can get right. a credential to the Senior Bowl. That's that's their thing, and so it's just gonna be like no holes barred. I think down there. In Mobile, and then, but they're not doing the thing in Indy where, where you have pretty much everybody to, deal, to, to, do, to deal with. Yeah, so I, I don't really fully get that. But with a guy like Schwartz, he needs to run the 40 in front of people. Because yes. that's his argument, right? That's his thing. Hey, this is why I'm valuable. Yep. And they're going to be able to do that at pro days. It seems like there's going to be like regional pro days, which mm-hmm. I don't understand why you can't just do what, one combine, but right. whatever. Right. But yeah, like a guy like Schwartz needs that. Schwartz was, Schwartz's goal was he was going to try to go in and break John Ross's record at the 40, and he would have had a really good shot at yeah, doing it. Yeah, that's a crazy goal to have, but he may have been able to do it. He, he could have done it because, I mean, I, there are a few people on planet Earth who are faster than this dude. Yeah. And that and that and you know how much buzz that I mean, like Ross got Ross got a pretty big bump up in where he was drafted. Because yeah, he was of probably it. like a second round, maybe late first, and then that happened, he goes top 10 to Cincy. And it's yeah. like, wow, that's crazy. And so you've seen this in the past with guys who run really – I mean, think about it for a more Auburn perspective. Think about, think about Greg Robinson going out and running the 40 that he did in the combine, mm-hmm. and then it was like, oh, a big man running that fast? All right, number two overall. Right. Now – should you have picked him number two overall? Nope. nope. Not to play left tackle. If you wanted to keep him at right tackle or even play him at guard, that would have been great. But that's, that's Should a really John Ross nice have gone in the top ten? Nope. No. I was like, no. uh, what you call it, from uh, from Maryland who uh, who ran the really fast 40 that time and the Raiders took him in the top ten. Who am I? Darius Hayward Bay. Darius Hayward Bay. Yeah. It's like this stuff like that happens all the time, and that sucks for a guy like for like Schwartz because, because – Testing is going to be key to him. You, it's it's a little bit different than saying, "Hey, just turn on the film and watch him." Like you can turn on the film and see Devontae Smith, the best receiver on, on planet Earth. Right. You can turn on the film and watch Jamar Chase tear people up from your. You can turn on the film and see Seth Williams do a lot more of that stuff. Schwartz has got to be like, "Hey, I was not necessarily due to caught a ton of balls in college, but look, I'm faster than anybody you're going to draft." Today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. They are the one place that we trust. To bet online throughout the Locked On Podcast Network, betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to get that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. Also, visit our good friends and exclusive partner on social media at betonline underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses. In the business, sign up for a free account and use the promo code Locked On for your sign-up bonus. Your online sportsbook experts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. You mentioned Seth Williams, and I, I, I've i talked about this before. It's been a few weeks. I can't wait to see where he's put at in mock drafts because I think some people that do these are going to love him, and yep. some people are going to have him like in the fifth round. Yep. Yeah, I think it's the thing with consistency with him was always the always the big question mark. But I mean, physically, I don't, 
there are going to be few receivers that can kind of do some of the things he does. He does in this class, in this class specifically, like on the top end, it's a lot of smaller guys. Right. He might be one of the best bigger dudes that we have in this class, and I think you know not to get too far galaxy brain here with this but like i think that's part of the reason why a guy like him goes early because next season if you look at the 2022 class for for wide there's a lot of bigger dudes in that in that mm-hmm. class especially if a dude like justin ross comes out like there's bigger guys there so like, he's gonna have a chance to be one of the top quote-unquote possession outside yeah. big guy receivers in the in this class and it's just gonna be like how like who's who's gonna fall in love with his number because the thing about seth williams that i still think that that people need to realize about him is that he's still got a lot of room to get better yeah he in three years at auburn and two years as a as a as a as a key guy he made he made some pretty good strides this is a dude who like (laughs) in high school i mean he'll admit it he didn't get quite get the coaching that you that that you know a more polished receiver coming out of high school would get and number two he played everything right so like he never he, like he's only had a couple of years where he's really spent all of his time focusing on football, and that's we know how much that can turn turn up in development. I remember back when SEC Country was a thing. You mm-hmm. your coworker Ben Wolk came on whatever show I was doing at the time, and he talked about he's like, okay, I know all the attention is on Justin Ross right now because he's right down the road in Central, but like yeah. he's like, guys, we are not talking about Seth Williams enough up in Tuscaloosa. We're just not, and. Um, I still think that's true. I think about him saying that every time Seth makes a play, and it's like, I don't know if he got good coaching at Auburn either. Not necessarily from Cody Burns' standpoint, but like they were not the, able the, to the get offense, him open. Yeah, the offense is, was not built for you know dude, getting dudes free. Like I just on, didn't like anything game. that they did anywhere near a sideline last year. I just hated a lot it. of back shoulder balls. Yeah, I, and that's not good. Yeah. So I, I do wonder. I do wonder. If he had came back. Now, I think he's making the best decision for the future, like I said. Yeah, might have um, But, like, in a different world, if he comes back or if he has another year or whatever, um, I think a guy playing under a guy like Brian Harson, probably in a guy, under a guy like Mike Bowo could have helped him do some more stuff because the story I wrote Monday, the film room story I wrote about Harson and Bobo. Put, Killer. Killer put, article, by the way. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, putting a, that was a – by the way, you'll appreciate this. That was a Dan Peck idea. Really? That he gave me. He, no wonder it was he, so great. He brought up the game. He was like, hey, did you, do, you, do you remember watching this game? I was like, Dan, I definitely don't remember watching this, this game. I didn't remember it. And uh, he was like, you should do something on that. So he did. But if you go back and watch that game, Bobo took Michael Gallup and was just like, hey, man, 10 to 19 yards downfield, you're going to hit every possible route you can do. We're going to feed you that, uh, yeah. feed you the ball. And then when you look at Boise State's background, a lot of intermediate passes there. I think it could have really opened it up. But again, like I said, Make the best decision for your future. He's going to go get that money right now. Michael Gallup may be a good comparison to Seth Williams. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think, and, I, and he had a really good successor. Um, Is he still with Dallas? Yes. Yeah. And I can't remember. I need to go back and look. I think the early run of Bobo at Colorado State, they had Hollywood Higgins. I think. Okay. I think that's right. Um, and like one of those years, he had a monster year uh, at Colorado State. I, I need to go back and double check that. But like, yeah, I mean. Those are the type of guys, those possession, big, big outside guys. Like in that game that I, that I broke down, there were more intermediate throws than any other throw on the field. And like, when was the last time you said that about an Auburn football game? Who benefits from that now? Capers? Capers would benefit from that. Um, 
Canyon maybe. Canyon maybe. I think Canyon uh, in watching him in North in the Northwestern game, who he did a really good job. Stepping Very in. small sample size, of like what to kind of judge what he's going to do on. But he's but. he is blazing fast. Yeah, like he is a big guy. He's fast. So I think he might be more of like your vertical guy. Shot out of a canyon. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Out boy. Um, yeah, that's it. Capers, but yeah, I think Capers is kind of like that because I see a lot of I see a lot of Seth and in, in, in Xavier Capers. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and then just kind of have Kobe in that that underneath role, like what we saw with Eli. Well, I mean, like this is interesting because like the wide receivers, there's so much up for grabs this year because your top three guys are all gone. We mentioned Capers, we mentioned Canyon. Um, a guy like Kobe Hudson makes a, makes a lot of sense as well because he played well. Totally natural wide receiver as well. I'm interested in a guy like Javarius Johnson. I, I always forget about that dude. Right, because he's he's had injuries. Well, your boy Painter's been high on him for a while, and I right. think eventually he's going to get a shot. Well, Painter loves him because he's short, and <laughs> and you know, I mean, you how get, tall is he? Uh, is he that short? He's like five nine, or he's like five nine, or maybe maybe okay. five, But he All is right. like your traditional super quick slot receiver kind of guy. And yeah, we've seen uh, we've seen Boise State and Mike Bobo's offenses in the past utilize that guy uh, a lot as well. So. Very curious to see what go, what goes on there, and then and then next season, I think honestly, you know, people are wondering about personnel and what this offense is going to look like. I think they're going to have to go to the tight end a lot more, just because that's where a lot of their depth is now. Surprisingly enough, like this is for the, for the first time yeah, ever. Yeah, how quality is that depth though? Is, is is my question in the receiving game? I like them all as blockers. I think they're fine. Who was the who was the receiver at Boise that was like Kellen Moore's guy? Was that Titus Young? Am I making that name up? No, that that makes uh, that name rings a bell. I was can... was was Harson there? Did was, did they overlap yeah. Yeah. at that time? Yeah, yeah. He only he he uh, was a smaller guy if I remember Harson correctly. Harson only was not was was only not there for for um, Moore's final year. He went to Texas, I believe, his final year. Okay, and Young got picked up by the Lions, if I recall correctly. Um, but yeah, he was a smaller guy. He always reminded me of Darvin Adams for some reason. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know why. So I don't really know who that necessarily fits in scheme wise with who is on the roster for Auburn next year. But yeah, Kobe? I, don't I don't know. Like, there's a lot of there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot of different there's a lot of different dudes. And, and somebody asked me this week, was like, do you think Auburn's going to go out and try to get a wide receiver in the transfer portal? I was like, I wouldn't be surprised. I think getting a running back's a bigger priority right now. But like. I'm all in on uh, on Gray getting Gray from Tennessee. By oh, the way, man. I'm all in. I don't know why he would come to Auburn in this situation so to be a backup. Thing. So but. here's the thing. That so here's the thing because like, um, of course, I mean, and I, and I played it as well. Whenever Wanya Morris left Tennessee, it was like, oh, Auburn. Right. But, here, but here's the other thing for a guy like Wanya Morris, for a guy, for a lot of these dudes in the transfer portal, if you just got one year left before you go to the NFL, Auburn ain't gonna be the spot for you. Right. Auburn's not going to be tired for you, and I and I and I hate to say that Auburn fans, I hate to let you, let you down that way, but it's like, let's be honest, like that's Auburn's that, not going to win a national championship next year. No, and uh, you know, even if Harson pulled a Gus, that would be very very tough to pull, you know, do next year. This yeah. is this is about building towards the future, so you got to I think try to get guys who have maybe multiple years of of eligibility left who aren't necessarily one well, Morris he just needs one more year and he's going to be going to the NFL and totally it's going, it's going to be fine the sales pitch for a running back though is tough to me because of you're, you're gonna back up a guy that's probably younger than you based yep. on you know so especially if it's like a grad yep. transfer guy yep. and like you may be third string because we don't know how harsh views worm right yeah and and I think you go in and try to find somebody who's going to give you some value as like a 
as like a re- more of a receiver runner kind of role because you're because me- like that was the pitch for Mark Anthony Richards mm-hmm. and that's where the fit was with Tank and now you don't have that right and Worm caught some more balls out of the backfield this year obviously they trusted Tank more in third down situations towards the end of the season but you still don't have that kind of guy yeah and um, they like throwing the ball to running backs both of, both of these coaches like throwing ball throwing the ball to running backs in their past yeah for sure. Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer joining us right here on Locked on Auburn. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate. Save money and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Justin, give us a, give us a lowdown of what folks can expect at, uh, at the Auburn Observer. Yeah, so if you're listening to this uh, on a Friday, we've got a mailbag up today. Um, over the weekend, coverage of Auburn versus South Carolina in basketball. We'll have some observations on Saturday. Podcast on Sunday, and then we uh, get right back to the grind with football uh next next week uh people appreciated uh the uh the the film room post uh, recently um and i'm gonna try to come up with some more ideas from a while but the interesting thing now is especially you know talking to brian harson um on thursday like you got to pace yourself yeah. with this right like you have there's a, it's a long off season right and there's a lot you can do about this staff and all these guys and i'm trying to figure out all right this well, will be the easiest off season content wise oh. in both of our careers yes and i love it and I yeah. love and I love that I love that angle from it because uh, basketball is helping with it as well. Yeah, because basketball, even when they're not playing super well, they're very very interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, people people like to people like to read about them. I mean, h- how could you not? Shreve Cooper is doing Shreve Cooper things. J T. Thor is doing J T. Thor things. It's a fun team, right? And all of them coming back is going to be fun. You know, even if what with this, whatever Cooper decides to do, everyone else will be returning. So so. Sh- so I don't know if you saw this Wednesday night, but uh, there was a quote. Sharif was talking about um, why the defense fell off in the, in the, you know, after the first 15 minutes of this game. Yeah, and he was talking about how like they got complacent. They right. got well. Part of the part of his quote, he said, um, "You know, that's something that I got to vocally speak to my teammates and be better about." I mean, it's early. It's early in our path together. And Auburn, some Auburn fans looked at it and was like, "Aha." Wow! Early in our path together. That's not. That doesn't sound like a man who's who's leaving after this season. But no, it's like, no, they're on a path together. They're on a path, and that path is longer than just a few games, my friend. And Jabari Smith's on Twitter saying, "Hey, man, my boy got fouled," and like, <laughs> and uh, you know, his face got palmed. That is a foul. Gracious. I don't care how many seconds are left in the but game. The thing, but the thing with Sharif is going to be like, they're going to get to the end of the season. If he if he continues to average twenty plus points a game uh-huh. and and all these just. It's going to be hard for the NBA to be like, you know what? We might not, we don't think you're quite ready yet. And it's like, okay, all right, well, but yeah, um, it's going to be it's it's going to be a fascinating journey. And and here's the thing that Auburn fans path, path, yes, it's be an interesting path. Here's the thing, Auburn fans, if Sharif Cooper left, and no one knows for sure, I don't even think Sharif knows or anybody. Sure, if Sharif Cooper left, what you have coming back next season, you can go on the recruiting trail and you can say, hey point guard transfer look at who you get to play with yeah that it's going to be an easy pitch so i think they're gonna be fine either way but Auburn fans would rather have uh sure for sure for sure because there there are there are very few guys playing college basketball 
who can do some of the things that Shreve Cooper does just because he's very his vision is stupid. It's stupid. He's the, he's I mean he's Chris Paul. He is the closest thing that that college basketball's had to Chris Paul since Chris Paul. I think. And you can tell that his teammates are still getting used to the fact of like wherever they are, they could get the ball at any second. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, that's part of the turnover problem. It's part of the turnover problem. And then the other thing is, like, he sees things that I don't know how anybody – and I, I tweeted this year in the Kentucky game. From where we're sitting on press row, I was at the same angle that he was at. Like, he was, like, straight in front of me with the lob to, um, off the offensive rebound to, uh, to Dylan Cardwell uh-huh. in the first half. I have no idea how he saw that because I didn't even know Dylan Cardwell was under the goal. Wow. And we are at – and I'm 100 feet back from him. Uh-huh. And Dylan Carwell's six ten, and I still couldn't see him. I love it. And he just I absolutely he finds love it. it. Justin, I'm going to semi-put you on the spot here. So Noah and I, we recorded uh, one of our list shows, the first list show of the offseason. Oh, wow. And we going to uh, be a lot of those, I bet. Uh, I love those. They always do really well, too. So I'm like, hey, People that's fine. People love lists, man. Yeah. And our list was like a way too early version of who can take the biggest step from 2020 to 2021 among football players. Mm. Um, that's a good question. My number one was Tennyson. Mm, His yeah. number one was Bo Nix. Bo was on my li- Bo was three on mine or whatever. But some other guys, as I give you a second to kind of ponder your answer, he said yeah. TD Moultrie. I wanted to do that, but I wanted to kind of diversify it. I put um, I put Romello Height on there. Um, some tight ends were mentioned as well. Um, so who do you think? Just kind of you know, just shooting from the hip. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it on last week's show. I still think Smoke Monday's got a tremendous amount of growth that he can do. What does that look like? What is a what is a a more improved Smoke Monday look like? Potentially an all SEC safety. Okay, like being a guy who's consistently like he's in the right spot every time he's making the play. Every is that time. A, is that super, a coverage thing? Super productive. I think it's just an eyes thing and a consistency thing with yeah. him. He gets out of position and and we talked about it. You know when we did this when I did the story on um. On uh, the Derek Mason defense, he is going to he is going to preach eyes, 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 discipline, all, all that. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Um, TD is probably the one I might lean to the most. I'm I'm Romello Heights a really good one, and I've and I've I mentioned him in the past as a guy that I think could be the, the be the top pass rusher for Auburn. Kobe yeah, Hudson, I believe, was on both of our lists as well. Kobe's a really good answer. Natural wide receiver. Um, Brandon Frazier, he was on mine. Yep. Yeah. And then Noah just said the tight end position. Oh, that's not an answer. Thank you. Jaws gave him the point. What's up with that? I was throwing for content. Okay. Okay. There you right. go. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you there. You gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, those are those are our smoke all really did not good come ones. up though in that conversation. I would just say, I would just say, smoke. Knowing knowing uh, Derek Mason's track record with defensive backs, I think he's got a lot to lot to improve with, and you know, I think he has the potential to be one of the best safeties in the league. I mean, there's no. There's no denying that he's got talent. He's a good playmaker. He's just consistency has been a big thing yeah. with him, and I think he'll be able to he'll be able to fix some of that. Right. Those well, are those are good ones. What's uh, what's coming up at the uh, at the Observer? Yeah, just uh, more basketball stuff over the weekend. We're going to do some more football stuff early next week, and uh, yeah, just uh, podcast and and whatnot. If you want to listen to my voice more, um, <laughs> Painter and I. Did one on Thursday, uh, premium podcast for guys who are subscribers. If you're not a subscriber and just want to just want to check it out, uh, we'll have one on Sunday as well. Sure. The the are, are the premium shows kind of slanted in a different direction? Are they 
maybe more in depth than the Sunday shows, or are they just kind of another more more of it? It's more it's more especially during basketball season. We usually have a game to talk about each episode. Yeah. Um. So it's very it's very similar for both. We we try to like we try to say it as this: if you like the Sunday episode, um, right. get a subscription and and you can get a you can get another one. Kind of double up your double up your podcast content. You're the only person really diving into basketball analysis. You'll see a lot of people put out a gamer and, you know, hey, this is a guy to watch and they'll pull, you know, quotes from a press conference or something to make a story out of it. But as far as like rotation and as far as, you know, why stuff works and, you know, you put the gifs in there and all that, like you're mm. the only person really doing that. And I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate that as well. And I, and I and I appreciate the amount of people who have, have you know, jumped on to that. Look, football is always going to be king at Auburn in terms of eyeballs and, 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 and fan interest. But you know this as well as I do. There is a very, very passionate uh, Auburn basketball fan base yeah. that loves to know more, and that's what I'm trying to give them. Justin, thank you so much for your time as always, man. 100%. Appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday to recap everything that happened over the weekend. This has been Locked On Auburn. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.